You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. You know, thinking this morning, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Mark 16, that's kind of going to be our text. We'll be there. I'll be using a lot of references as I normally do, usually, uh, but I'll use the screen for that. And so you can just kind of follow along uh, with, uh, with me on those extra verses as we view them on the, on the big screen. But, you know, a little different approach this morning. I was thinking, as I was reading my text, Mark 16, and thinking about, you know, what Jesus did for me when he saved me, he cleansed me, he forgave me. We often say it like this, he washed me whiter than snow. And, and I begin to understand that, that God will often uh, use a color to illustrate something. Uh, for instance, uh, years ago, over a hundred years ago, believe it or not, a hundred years ago. Now, some of you may know about the wordless book, which is a book of colors used to share the gospel with children. Has anybody ever heard of the wordless book? Wow. Okay, man. Half the congregation, if not more. You know, gold representing heaven and uh, black representing our sin and red representing the blood that was shed on the cross to forgive us, white representing his, his cleansing power, uh, green representing the growth that we experience as we grow in grace, as we're discipled in church and small groups and those kinds of things. Hey, take a moment, and, and since I'm, I'm, you, might, you might be wondering, preacher, on the most important Sunday of the year, I mean, this is Resurrection Sunday and you're going to preach on colors. This is crazy. Hang on. I'm going to have fun. I've already, I've already preached this once. So I'm ready to preach it again. It's exciting. But, but just to, for a little history, take a look at a one-minute video of the origin and, the, uh, and, and how the Wordless Book started. Did you know the Wordless Book was first introduced in 1866 to children by the popular preacher Charles Spurgeon? With only three pages in black, red, and white, Spurgeon used it to teach the story of God's love from the Bible. Other preachers of the time, like D.L. Moody, also began using the wordless book in their children's services. When the wife of Child Evangelism Fellowship's founder discovered the book in 1924, CEF began mass-producing it, and the wordless book became a popular children's book in America. It said children would beg the famous hymn writer Fanny Crosby to tell a story. She'd take a little wordless book and tell the children whom she deeply loved, the story of Jesus. Page colors have been added over the years, but the story has never changed. Engage with the Bible in its never-changing story. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. So the colors in Scripture can oftentimes illustrate things. Now, unfortunately, we live in a society that in its small-mindedness has categorized colors as referring to different races. But I want you to know today, you have come to a church, and I thank God for the diversity of our church. I really do. You have come to a church today where Indians are not red, and Africans are not black, and Norwegians are not white, and Japanese are not yellow. Is that okay? God doesn't see color when he sees us. That seems to be very insensitive to me, personally. I, 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 don't, I don't really get that. Um, and I'm learning to, to, to not refer to people by the color of their skin. God, God created the human race, died for all of us, not based on, on a color. God made white. He made white when he said, let there be 
light. And when God made light, he made the brightest, purest, most brilliant of colors. But like all colors, white is not always wonderful. White is blizzard. White could be renegade blood cells that are taking over someone's body that's way too young. White could be parched. White is often pale. White is is not always a wonderful color. Red is raspberry, race car, and, and a beautiful sunset. But red is also a rash that just drives us crazy and we feel like we have to scratch it all the time. Red is the color of blood that is shed far too often in war in our world today. You see, not all colors are wonderful all the time. Yellow. Yellow gets a bad rap, but yellow is daisy. Yellow is canary. Yellow is a cool glass of lemonade in the summer after mowing the lawn, right? But yellow is also cowardly. Yellow is snow that we shouldn't touch. Yellow is not always wonderful. Black is licorice. Black is the color of a, of, a, of, a, of a lake, a calm lake just before sunrise. But black is also fire damage and burnt toast and darkness. We sing that song, uh, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And, and I understand that song. I know that it is true that everyone is precious in God's sight, but, but people are not colors. Races are not colors. And, and let's bury the people are colors concept this morning, just for a moment. Let's bury it. Let's do away with it. And, and amen to that. And, and let's look at Scripture and, and, and truly approach Scripture as God did so many times as he spoke of the color of resurrection, white. In fact, in our text in a moment ago, you'll, you'll see that color exposed in all of the Gospels. And, and here's one of the places it's mentioned that begins to illustrate the message. It's found in Isaiah chapter 1 on the screen in verse 18 where it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Speaking of the Lord Jesus in prophetic terms in Daniel chapter number 7 and verse 9, as I looked, thrones were placed in the Ancient of Days, took his seat, and his clothing, the Lord Jesus' clothing, was white as snow. There's some amazing things mentioned about the color white in light of forgiveness and resurrection and cleansing. You see, pure white is actually light. Now, no white that we see is pure white. In fact, if you go to Lowe's and ask for the color white to paint, there's going to be 28 different shades of it. I mean, it's just insane. But white in its purest form is light. In fact, I want to illustrate our text this morning and kind of on this special Resurrection Sunday, we, we, we don't do this normally, we just read the text. But this morning, I'm going to have the text read to you, a few visuals behind it, just so we can kind of walk into the scene. Would you do that with me? Here we go. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, 
and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Wow. Can you imagine being in that group of ladies approaching the tomb and you're talking, you're having a conversation. Scripture says they're talking about who is going to roll the, the, gray, the tomb away? Who's going to take the door and, and roll it away? And they look up, they see that it's rolled away. And I was just reflecting about the fact that the door did not need to be rolled away for Jesus to get out. He was already out. The door needed to be rolled away so they could get in to see that Jesus was not there. Amen? And, and so we, we see as they walk into that tomb that there is someone seated there and he is robed in White. I want to give you four descriptions as a illustration of this white. Number one, the first description we see here in this passage is that white is light, which indicates in the story that Jesus is alive. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. Jesus is alive again. He who was dead is now alive. White is light. It's emphasized in all of the Gospels. In Mark 16, verse 5, we read just a moment ago, they entered the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in white. But that's not the only place in the Gospels. In Matthew, it's found in verse 28 and verse 3, where Scripture complements itself. It says that his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. In Luke, chapter number 24, and verse 4, it says, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men, says it just a little bit differently, I like the different personalities of the writers, it says they, they stood by them in dazzling apparel. And then in John chapter 20 and verse 12, it says that he saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Each gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John goes out of its way to surface this color because the color is actually not a color. It's actually a thing. And the thing that it is, it is light. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. And he wants us this morning to bring our darkness to him. So that we might experience his grace and his forgiveness. And I don't know what kind of darkness is in your life this morning. But I can imagine that everyone has, even those of us today that know Jesus, there are things in our lives that that at times can, can get us down or can discourage us as, as we journey along this road of being a Christian. And then we, we come to places where we find ourselves not where we need to be. And God says, bring that to me. Let me shine my light on that. 
I mean, maybe take care of that and, and forgive that. And you, you get on your way and serve me. And then others of us today have never truly experienced what I'm speaking about this morning. There's this cleansing power, this light that makes us white as snow. Jesus is the light of the world. Why does, why does light? For me, it happened on September the 1st, 1978. And, you know, I've often said this, that, that my birthday is, is April the 1st, 1965, right? And I was born again on September the 1st, 1978. And I want to, just for the record, make sure that everyone knows that it would have been better if I never celebrated this day, if I didn't have another day to celebrate. I would be better off and you would be better off not having been born the first time if you never experienced the second birth. To, To be born and to die and spend an eternity in hell and darkness forever and ever and ever. But, but that's not necessary because there is a, a, a Jesus who died and rose again and wants you to be born again. He is alive so that you might live. In fact, Isaiah 9, 2 says it like this. The people who walk in darkness, they've seen a great light. And that great light is Jesus. He's the light of the world. And on September the 1st, 1978, man, I, I saw that light. I saw Jesus. He, he saved me. He came into my heart. When I say I saw him, I mean, I, I saw him in all of his glory as it was preached in the Gospels. And, and, and what Jesus did for me was explained in, in a way that I'd never heard it before. Like that particular morning that I was born again and walked an aisle and trusted Christ. And I've got my story. Do you have yours? Could you testify this morning that Jesus is the light of your world? He's washed you. And you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that he has shined the light on the darkness of your sin. The white is light because Jesus is alive. But secondly, the white is also truth. Truth. Because Jesus is truth. And then I say that to, to make sure that there's no gray area here on this Sunday, because this is the Sunday of the year where we can really brag on Jesus. And we can brag on Jesus every Sunday. But I mean, hey, you're here today. Some of, some of you may be here uh, for the first time. Others may be here because it's Easter. You may be here because of family. For whatever reason you're here, we're glad. We're thankful. The, the reason is not necessarily important. It's just this, that we know that more people come to church on Easter than any Sunday of the year. And so it's our opportunity to really, 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 really brag on Jesus to make sure that folks understand this. John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And make no mistake, no man can come to the Father. No man can go to heaven but through him. You see, white is truth in that white means dictionary definition. Get this. It tolerates no error, no impurity. That's the definition in the dictionary of white. White is a color that tolerates no error, no impurity. In other words, Jesus is the only way. There's nothing else. You can't add anything to it. When you add something to Jesus, you pollute it. When you add something to the gospel, when you say it's Jesus and this, it's ruined. As soon as you put something into the gospel, outside of the gospel, you have ruined the gospel. It doesn't work. It doesn't work with your works mixed in with it. It doesn't work. Well, I go to church. That, that's not what we're talking about. You can go to church your whole life and die and go to hell. To some people, that's like, oh, he just said that. 
I cannot believe he said that you can go to church your whole... Because church doesn't save you. Jesus is the only one that can save you. It's not church membership. It's not work. Well, I'm better than my neighbor. That's wonderful. But, but that's not going to get you to heaven. You know? Well, I, I, listen, I'm telling my life. And so far, I'm telling you, preacher, it's obvious that I'm... I mean, most of my life has spent doing good. I had a few bad years. But I'm telling you, when God looks at me, he's going to see a lot of good. When God looks at you... Without Jesus, he sees someone he has to turn his back on and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. You say, really? What's that all about? It's, it, this is what it's all about. It's all about Acts chapter 4 in verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. No other church name. No other religious leader. The only one who can save you is Jesus. He is the only way. And you must be born again. You must be saved. You must be forgiven. You must bow the knee to Jesus. We live in a world of, of liars so much that we hardly believe the truth anymore. I'm amazed at sometimes what, what people believe. What, what churches believe. I'm, I'm amazed at the doctrine that people can chase after at times and, and get sidetracked. And, and you wonder, how did that happen? Listen, when we get away from preaching Jesus as the only way to heaven, we have gotten so far away from the truth. He is the only way. It's not denomination. It's Jesus. It's not religion. It's Jesus. It's not good works. It's Jesus. <laughs> I love it. I love to brag on Jesus. He rose from the dead. He is alive. And you can shop the alternatives. Go ahead and shop your whole life. But you're going to find out that it all comes back to really only one decision. And the decision is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. White is light. Jesus is alive. White is truth. Jesus is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but, but through him. And then thirdly, and this is kind of what today is all about, white is victory. Jesus is coming again. Well, let's talk about victory for just a moment in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we, we can sing, uh, he wore the victor's crown. He has overcome the world. He's the victor. He is He's the winner. He, he is the champion. Why is that? Well, let me begin with Mark 16, verse 6 and 7 in our text. Just for a moment, if you're looking at your Bible this morning, it says that he says to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Do not be alarmed. Remember, he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Now, let's focus on two phrases there that deal with victory. Phrase number one, he is risen. That statement is a statement of victory. He was dead. Now he's alive. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, that, that, that deserves, if we were to stop every time I say the words, he is risen, and do a massive standing ovation and cheer for five minutes, we would be doing too little to express our appreciation for what Jesus did for us. 
I mean, it would just be like fitting. It really would be fitting for us to do that. I mean, the truth is, the, the victorious statement of he has risen is, is what Easter is all about. It's what the Christian life is all about. It's truly what every song we sing is because he rose from the dead. And then secondly, it says that he did it just as he told you. Do you see that? It's found in verse 7, the very last words of verse 7. There you will see him just as he told you. He is risen, statement of victory, just as he told you, statement of confirmation. Meaning this, that, that Jesus said it. Is that significant that he said it? Has anyone ever heard this, this, this phrase, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It's true, isn't it? it, used, it when it first came out, it was really cool. We all quoted it, we loved it, we felt you know, the, the enthusiasm behind it. There was, there was authority behind it. It was great as a preacher to be able to stand up and read anything in the Bible and say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But then all of a sudden, we found that some people didn't believe it. We found out that some people that, that, that preached didn't believe what God said. That, that, that there were churches that didn't believe exactly what God said. There were people that were saying there is no hell. There, there are still those who... Who refute that, that, that say, well, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's Jesus, but it's also this. And so it's better said that God said it, I believe it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. The truth of the matter is, is if I ever stop preaching this, somebody needs to stand up and get me out of here. <laughs> because, because this church believes this. This is why we're here. This is what we believe. And should anyone ever preach anything but the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? Hey, listen, that, that, that is what. We believe that's the foundation of everything we do is that Jesus was, he lived, he died, and he rose again. I love Revelation 7, verse 13 and 14. It begins to talk about what this victory does for us. Why does victory? Jesus is coming again. It says, then one of the elders addressed me saying, in verse 13 of Revelation 7, who are these? Good question. Who, who are these? Who, who are who? Are who? Who, 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 is, who are these? What, what, what do you mean? Well, who are those over there dressed in white? Robes, they, 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 where have they come from? And here's the answer. He says to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Church, our cleansing, our whiteness when it comes to the forgiveness of sins can only be, can only be through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that can wash our sins away. And that's the next note on the screen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Our cleansing as forgiven sinners can only be through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is only the shed blood of Jesus Christ that affords us, gives us the forgiveness of our sins. Do you know why that's so important? Because it's not religion. It's not what my mama believes or what my daddy believes or, or what someone else believes for me. It's what I have put my faith in. It's what I have trusted in for the forgiveness of my sins. And that is the blood of Jesus. It all comes down to this. Listen, here's the question. According to that verse, who are these? Who are these? Who are these washed in white? Who are these dressed in robes? Oh, those are the ones that are washed in the blood. Here's my question. Are 
you going to be dressed in that robe? You say, wait a minute, you mean, you mean, you mean, you, you mean I could be in that crowd? Oh, yeah. I fully plan on being in that, in that group spoken of in Revelation. I fully plan on being in this group that's dressed in a white robe because I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Have you been washed in that blood? Are you going to be robed one day in the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Because it all comes down to that decision. And then Revelation 19 speaks even further in verse 6 about Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of a mighty peal of thunder crying out, hallelujah. If you think the worship this morning was rocking, wait till you get to heaven. You get all those instruments together. You get every drummer, every guitarist, every pianist. You get everybody that can play playing in heaven's band. It's going to get on up there. They'll hear it in the depths of hell. I can assure you, hey, it is mighty peals of thunder. I'm not sure how that sounds, but it sounds loud to me. Crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God almighty reigns. Sounds like some of the songs we sang this morning. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Bright and pure. You see, white is victory. If you're in Christ, you are no longer in darkness. You are in the light, bright and pure, dressed in white. Growing up, um, I I used to sing a song that's much like the one we're going to sing in a few moments this morning. In fact, I'll tell you what, I'll do something different than I did this morning. I'll have Sonia sing the new white is snow. So come on up here with me and... Let me sing mine real quick, and then I'll have you play for her. Mine goes like this. Um, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol. Cast out every foe. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Isn't that beautiful? Now let's sing the new one. And I'll get somebody that has a much more beautiful voice than me to lead us, all right? Why the snow, why the snow? Though our sins are as scarlet, Lord, I know. Lord, I know that I'm clean and forgiven through the power of your blood, through the wonder of your love, through faith in you I know that I can be white as snow. Let's sing it one more time, everybody together. Think about it now. It's beautiful. White as snow. White as snow, white as snow, though my sins were as scarlet, Lord, I know, Lord, I know that I'm clean and forgiven through the power of your blood, through the wonder of your love. 
Through faith in you I know that I can be white as snow. In just a moment we're going to sing that, but let me finish my message because this is the last point. And it segues perfectly into understanding how you can be washed white as snow. And it's this, number four, white is sight. White is sight. In other words, if you look at the text, isn't it clear here that, that they, were, they were saying, look at this place. Look at verse 6 of Mark 16. It says here, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place. See? He, he, he's not there. See it. He's gone. He's not there. Can I take you just for 60 seconds to that tomb, the most powerful part of, I think, the movie, The Passion of Christ, that was, I know, years ago, but my favorite part of the movie is this 60 seconds right here. risen. He's not there. I mean, just the music, you know, I've watched that video. Oh my, over and over again. You know, I want you to know that I didn't just come in here without preparing myself because I knew that one of my, one of my goals this morning was that you might be inspired about the resurrection, that you would see it in a different light. And so do you see it? Do you see the tomb is empty? Do you believe it? Here's the way that scripture puts it. Just just so you'll know. In John chapter 11, it says this. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And here's the question. Do you believe this? Do, do you believe this? That's the question this morning. That, that's the main question. Do you personally believe this? Now, now, here's what Jesus says. In Romans 10, 9, Scripture teaches that there must be this moment that we confess something with our mouth. Here's what it says. In Romans 10, 9, it says, if we confess with our mouth, there's got to be a moment where we say that we believe it. Confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts. What do we need to believe in our hearts? Because this is not something you can just believe in your head. Many people have just had a head knowledge and, and not a heart knowledge and nothing really changes. There's no significant difference. But when it's believed in your heart, here it is. 
you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9. So, so what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, it means this, that there, there's got to be a time where I confess with my mouth unashamedly that I believe Jesus is Lord. He rose from the dead. He died for my sins. There, there must be a moment that I confess that. Maybe to someone. Uh, baptism has nothing to do with salvation, but it's a beautiful place after you have made that confession to let the world know you're not ashamed of Jesus and you're buried in the likeness of the death and you're raised in the likeness of his what? Resurrection. Someone who says, oh, no, no, I, I, you know, I, I would never get baptized. No, I don't want to do that. I, I don't think they ever got saved. <laughs> because when you get saved, you want to confess it. Trust me. You want people to know. It's not something you're ashamed of. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. I mean, this is bigger than your birthday. Do you know how many people I've told it's my birthday? Everybody. Why? I want gifts. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. I'm having fun. I'm simply saying we want people to know things we're excited about. If you are truly a Christian, then you're not ashamed of Jesus. And so you would want to confess that. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. And so this morning... I encourage you to to make that decision by confessing with your mouth, by asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to make you white as snow. You do it by faith. You believe it by faith. You don't have to have all the facts. In fact, sometimes I'm glad I got saved when I knew hardly any Bible. All I knew is one thing. Jesus died for me. I believed it. I didn't know much about the Bible. I know a whole lot more about the Bible now than I knew when I got saved. I was just, I came as a child and, 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 and Jesus saved me and he'll save you today. That's why he says, come as a child. Don't come with all your intellect. Just come as a child. Every head bowed this morning and every eye closed. Just for a moment, if, if I could, before we sing, white as snow, why don't we take just a moment and let Jesus wash some folks here white as snow? Maybe you would say this morning that Man, I I came to church on Easter because it's Easter, because my family came, because it's just the right thing to do. And that's all good reasons, by the way. But let me tell you, you may have not realized this, but why you came this morning was so that you could confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. If you've never been saved this morning, Jesus would like to wash you white as snow. White as snow. And all you would need to do is just just ask him to save you right now where you're seated take a moment and just pray and say jesus i i I know i'm a sinner tell him tell him that bring him your darkness and then let him shine the light because as you trust him and and maybe maybe say god i thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and i realize it's only through your blood that i can i can do this Ask him to come into your heart, to become Lord of your life. Jesus, become my master, my Lord. I accept you right now. Wash me. Wash me whiter than snow. And all over this building with heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, if if, if you were able to make that decision and confess with your mouth and Believe in your heart this morning. You have asked Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. 
with everyone's head bowed and just in this moment before we sing could I ask you to lift your hand just so I can see it would you lift it across the building in the balcony on the main floor this morning pastor I, I prayed and I asked Jesus I confessed with my mouth and my seat that I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Would you lift your hand high enough where I can see it? God bless you, and God bless you, and you. Thank you. Anybody else? Several in the first service. I see another hand in the back. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? I have not raised my hand yet, but I'd like to just simply say that I'm not ashamed to say this morning. This morning, I I allowed Jesus, I asked him to wash me. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. On the right, God bless you. Anybody else? Just for a moment. If you raised your hand, I want to make an invitation to you. It's simply this. And I know you're not ashamed of that decision. It's the most important decision you could ever make. And I want to make myself available after the service, during the invitation. Ask you to come and see me. And let me rejoice with you and, and help you take those next steps. Just the next steps. It's a great thing. It's, 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 this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning, but it's, it's the beginning. It's the most important step. It's the first step. And I pray that maybe as we come, that you would feel the liberty to come and let me know that right after the service, I'm not going anywhere fast. Others maybe that prayed, just God, use me. Forgive me of my sins and come into my, the dark crevices of my life that, I've been, that have been hindering me from serving you with all of my heart. God, I pray today that you'd forgive me and cleanse me and help me to to walk that straight and narrow way and if there's anyone here today that needs to use the altar or just come and pray or just thank god that you've been washed white as snow as we sing through just three or four verses of this chorus i want you to take the liberty to come and respond as god has led you to father wow man it's just incredible to think of what you did for me and what you've done for us when you died and when you were buried, but only three days later, you rose from the dead and you reigned victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And I am so thankful today that I know that, that I have been saved and sealed and pardoned and forgiven and made white as snow. And when you see me, I I, I can't quite comprehend this, God, but I know it's true because you said it in your word. That when you see me, you see your son, Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm amazed and humbled by that. Thank you. So, Father, as we, in just a moment, stand, may we not be ashamed to respond as you would have us to, Father. May we sing and worship and pray and praise on this great Resurrection Sunday. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.